Hey everyone, welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place to explore faith. Today we're continuing our John series and we're gonna be talking about self-righteousness today, so stay tuned. but on Wednesday, it was Random Acts of Kindness Day. Um, and so this is a fun day, I guess, to like yeah. go into your community and just do something uh, fun to like kind of bless another person. And so we figured that we'd like kind of extend it through the week and we wanted to hear kind of your thoughts. Uh, it's interesting in this COVID season to, to do acts of kindness because often they're like very close in yeah. proximity to people. And so we would love to just hear kind of some of your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what are your creative ideas for Random Acts of Kindness? I saw a really neat idea online mm -hmm. where people would go and put money, like $20 bills, in like a diaper box or like lift the lid of a formula container and mm -hmm. put it on top of the seal oh, that's and then put idea. it back down. Because those early years with kids are really taxing on your finances. Right. So I thought that was kind of a cool now yeah, everybody's gonna like go to, go to Walmart. You're gonna see all of our, <laughs> all of our people on our stream like pulling out all of these like diapers. Like um, sketchy putting some <laughs> yeah. in, yeah. So if that's yeah. you, don't pull apart the diapers at Walmart. Um, but yeah, that's a really fun one. Yeah. Um, so one time when I was at, when I worked at Starbucks, you, you always hear, and I, and I like have never been the lucky uh, participant of experiencing this, yeah. but you always hear of those people that pay for the person behind them. Right. And then pay for the person behind them and it creates this train. So when I worked at Starbucks, there was this like crazy time one day where it was like 30 or 40 or maybe even 50 people like in a row um, so that like paid for the person behind them. And it got me thinking that why don't we do that too? I think that's a great idea. So at the end of our stream today, uh, if you want to like have your drink paid for in the line, uh, feel free to go to Starbucks and we've already dropped off a gift card there. And so we just want to give you guys uh, a coffee today. And so feel free to just go there, um, chance it. You might be too late, but don't pause the stream and go right now. Um, stay with us. But yeah, we just wanted to like give you guys uh, a coffee on us today. And so feel free to enjoy that at Starbucks and maybe even pay for the person behind you as well. Yeah, and not just our people. Like this is just... Yeah, of course. We believe in being a blessing to Powell River. And so this is just a fun way to get in on Random Acts of Kindness yeah. Day. Tell your friends. Yeah. Bring them along with you. And top everybody up on coffee because yeah. it's needed. It is. Man, this week is like one of those weeks. All this rain. <laughs> We need it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we are so excited to pass this off to Pastor Lucas now as he talks about self-righteousness mm -hmm. and humility. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, my name is Lucas. If you're new with us, we're so glad that you're here. I'm one of the pastors here at Evangel Church in beautiful Powell River, British Columbia. And today, I want to ask you a question. I want to begin with a question of, it's a bit of a self-awareness question. Um, you ready? Do you struggle with self-righteousness? Do you struggle with self-righteousness? Now, I know some of you, maybe in this moment, you already have your theological answer locked and loaded, ready to go. And I just want to maybe clarify what I'm asking here. I'm not asking what is your theological intellectual understanding of righteousness. I'm asking you more of a Holy Spirit come search me and know me type of an answer. 
do you struggle with self-righteousness? You know, it was interesting on um, Tuesday night, we have Evangel Youth. And right now, because of COVID, obviously we're meeting uh, online. And so we meet through Zoom and, and we're doing this, uh, this study of the scriptures and, and the Bible. And we were in the Garden of Eden uh, in Genesis 1 and we we're kind of going through creation, but also the fall of man. And there's this interesting moment when the speaker was talking about the fall of man and how uh, God comes into the garden. They hide themselves and uh, they had this newfound understanding that they were naked because of, of shame and sin that had entered into their paradigm and into their lives. And, and God asked them, like, who told you that you were naked? And like, kind of like, what's, what's, what's going on? Did you eat of that, what I told you not to eat of? And there's this interesting moment here where Adam, he turns and blames Eve. And then, and then in turn, Eve turns and blames the serpent that tempted her. And there's this moment where blame and fault is being deferred onto everyone but themselves. And, and I kind of came to realize, it was interesting, I just, I just came in that moment to realize as I was preparing for this, and we kind of had that moment, and I realized that in that moment, what they were really trying to do is they're trying to cling to their own self-righteousness. Now, usually the most obvious places we see self-righteousness attitudes come up is when we're confronted with people that, that sin differently than we do. Have you ever experienced that? When, when people who, who sin or are broken in ways that we don't quite understand in our own life, and our own experience, and, 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 and as a result, we have very little empathy, and sometimes our self-righteous attitudes can kind of bubble to the surface when we see people sinning differently than we sin. Have you ever experienced that kind of self-righteousness? Or how about this? Some, someone calls out something in your life, right? Uh, now, none of us like this. I... I will be the first to admit that I do not deal very, very well. I wish I was more humble. I wish I was more gracious. I wish I was more mature. But initially, my default reaction to someone calling something out of my life is a little bit like, who, who are you <laughs> to call that out of my life? You know, do you, do you know who I am? Do you, do you know how long I've been a part of the church? Do you, do you know how much Bible I know? Do you, do you know uh, what kind of leadership I have in God's... Like, all these kind of things come up, these self-righteous things. We're grasping for our own righteousness in these moments. You know, the ways of pride and self-righteousness reveal themselves in our lives in, in, in a bit of an endless way this side of heaven. And John, it, it's so good that we're coming to this moment because John reveals some, some components and pieces to the situation that we find in John 1, 19 to 28. And if you have your Bibles, turn there. But, but before we get there, I want to ask you the question, you know, what's the cure? Self-righteousness is the problem, but, but what, is, what is the cure to self-righteousness? And if you're taking notes, uh, write this down. The cure is three, three simple words, humility, repentance, repeat. Humility, repentance, repeat. So we're going to pray, we're going to dig in, we're going to invite the Spirit of God to, 
to come and meet us here in this moment, not just for an intellectual exercise, but rather an experience and a moment in his presence that changes us forever. So Lord, we just pray that you would come in this moment, wherever we are, wherever we're watching, wherever we're listening to, whether we're watching or we're on a podcast or we're on the treadmill at a gym, wherever we're at right now, Lord, I pray that there would be an experience that goes beyond just intellectual exercise. That God, as your truth is spoken, as your truth is read in your scriptures, that you would, Lord, by your spirit, do something profound in our lives, that we would in turn reflect Jesus to this world in greater measure because we've had an experience with truth that changes everything. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here's the deal. Here at Evangel, we believe that engaging biblical truth will change your life. And in fact, it's one of our core values and tenets of our faith. And if you don't believe me, I, I just dare you to take a season of your life and dig into the scriptures, dig into the Bible. And speaking of the Bible, if you don't have a Bible, we would love to get you one. If you visit myevangel.church forward slash Bible, myevangel.church forward slash Bible, you can pause the video right now and jump over there and you can get a digital one like instantly and either the app stores, but you can also fill out a form there. And if you're in the Powell River region, we would love to get you a physical Bible and that'd be our gift to you. And so just avail yourself of that. Just take a season and dig into the scriptures, explore faith in Jesus. You won't regret it. So let's go. John 1, starting verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Now the word Christ there, he's talking about the Messiah, the, the, the promised one, the one that was going to come and save and liberate Israel. That, that is the idea that he's speaking to here. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Now, why did they ask if he's Elijah? Well, Elijah, if you know the story in the Old Testament, it was, a, it was a prophet in Israel, and he didn't actually die. He was actually taken up in a chariot of fire, and he was taken up to... And so since then, there was this expectation that Elijah would somehow be preceding or part of the moment the Messiah is revealed to Israel. And so they ask him, are you Elijah? And he says, no, I'm not. Are you the prophet? Now the prophet is in reference to what Moses spoke of. Moses spoke of a prophet that was a common. They, they would refer to this prophet as the prophet. And he answered, no. So they said to him, well, who are you? We, we need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, this is John. I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So he quotes the prophet Isaiah in this moment. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Now, 
Before we get too carried away, uh, we need to develop our understanding of the context here. You, you see, you can't take what is essentially for us a 21st century perspective and then use that as a filter to interpret and understand a first century moment. So we need to kind of dig into some context so we can understand what's going on here. Now, notice that, that John is calling Israel to repent and baptizing them in water is a sign of that, that repentance. And why does this matter? Well, because water baptism was, was, it was known in that day, but it was known in the context of Gentiles, non-Jews, who were converting to Judaism, converting to the worship of Yahweh, the one God. And in that moment, non-Jews, Gentiles, would be baptized as part of the washing. And that was common among practices of those converting to Judaism, who were not Jews. Now, now here's what's interesting about this. The religious rulers, they hear these rumblings of this movement of repentance, that, that, that is being led by John the baptizer, and they send a committee to investigate. Now, as you read between the lines here, you kind of begin to understand that they're not super thrilled that John is baptizing these Jews as a sign, as an outward sign of their inward repentance. Now, before we go further, I just want to point something out. Here, here we see a revival happening in Israel. We see a revival of repentance. So, so here, here's the deal. We see Jews, Israelis, and they are coming to this place of repentance before Yahweh. So they're not, they're not like worshiping some other God or some other movement. They are repenting before Yahweh, the one true God. And there's this revival, and, it, and it's, it's significant enough that the Jewish leaders are sending this entourage, this committee, to investigate. But what happens when they get there? Don't, don't miss this. Notice this, because self-righteous attitudes have a way of blinding us. So don't miss this. They ask him three questions. Are you the Messiah? John replies, no. Are you Elijah? No. Are you the prophet? No. Well, what are they really asking here? They're asking, by what authority are you doing this? That's the question. That's the real question, the underlying question. By what authority are you doing this? Now, now don't miss this. The fruit of John's ministry is all around them. They're seeing this, this mass repentance happening, this movement of repentance happening before Yahweh, the one true God, and they completely miss it because they are more concerned with whose authority John is doing this than the actual fruit of the ministry that is happening all around this. Listen, self-righteousness has a way of blinding us from what God is doing. You know, for instance, you have a new believer and they're growing in faith and, and you know, there's an excitement around that. But sometimes self-righteousness will come up in believers and they'll look at someone like that and, the, and, and all that they'll see, you know you have a self-righteous attitude when a new believer comes to faith and all you can see is that habit that they haven't kicked yet. Or that thing that they do that shouldn't be done, but they're still doing it and, 
And even though they're new to faith and they're growing and they're maturing in that, but they haven't had much time and self-righteous attitudes will just see that one thing. Friends, it's too easy to get swept up in our own self-righteous attitudes that, that we kind of miss the forest for the trees. So how do we fight against this tendency? Remember, humility, repentance, repeat. No, notice the glaring contrast between this committee and and John the baptizer. When asked who does he think he is, or by what authority does he think he's doing this, he could have easily declared himself a priest. In fact, he's the son of a priest. And priesthood was all about lineage, is all about you, you're born into the priesthood in Israel. And so he could have claimed title, he could have claimed priesthood, he could have, but Instead, he refers them to the prophet Isaiah by saying, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. He, he's saying, I'm simply the red carpet. I am simply the red carpet being rolled out. And the hero, the star, the Lord is coming and my role is to make a way for him. Now, this is our first clue to John's humility. So, but then they ask him again in verse 25. They ask him, then, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? And then again, John points them to the one he's preparing for. And, they, and they, they miss it. They're still stuck on who do you think you are? Notice John doesn't actually answer their question. They ask this very, this, this very specific question. And he does not even answer them. He, he, he points to Jesus instead of answering their question about, about his identity, about who he is, about his title, about his authority. Now, before we get to that, let, let me just say, don't let those that are self-righteous distract you from the mission. You're going to see in a moment, John is laser focused on the mission that he's been put on. Don't let those that are self-righteous distract you from the mission. Often we see movements, churches, and leaders get distracted by those who are walking in one form of self-righteousness or the other that, that the mission momentum and movement get sidelined. We see this all of the time. Don't, don't let self-righteous attitudes stall out or distract you from the mission, the momentum of the kingdom. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Now, John seems laser focused on his mission because his response to their very specific question is to answer them in such a way that he does not even answer their question. Notice this, John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. Now, if you didn't think John was walking in humility before, this cinches it. They're looking for what is your position? What are your qualifications? What are your credentials? What is, what is your authority to be doing these things? And he answers by saying, I am no one. In fact, I am less than no one in contrast to the one that is coming. William Barclay writes of this moment, to untie the straps of sandals was slaves work. 
There, there was a rabbinic saying which said that a disciple might do for his master anything that a servant did, except only to untie his sandals. That was too menial a service for even a disciple to render. So John said, one is coming whose slave I am not fit to be. Humility. Humility keeps us focused on the mission. It's in humility that we keep the main thing the main thing. John is leading this revival of repentance in his day. Why? Because he's preparing the way of Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the long-awaited one. And humility, it causes us to move from kind of the broken temptation to guard our own self-righteousness to a place of being confronted by our brokenness and our inadequacies. Humility is this painful but necessary process because it's the posture necessary to come to grips with our need to repent. Notice how humility precedes repentance. Because humility is the posturing in a way that we can then begin to see our need for the one who is coming. The need for one who will bring righteousness to us. So humility is this painful but necessary process because it postures us to come to grips with our need for repentance. And then we move to repentance. Repentance requires two main components from a biblical worldview. Because sometimes we can read the word repentance and and think in terms of, I'm sorry. Um, You know, I'm sorry, I'll try not to do it again, right? And if that's all that repentance was, it's actually a pretty hopeless exercise. Because many of us know the journey of life is often to be sorry, but then to not have the skills or the willpower or the ability to change those behaviors or those attitudes or those things in our lives. So repentance has to have two components to it from a Christian worldview. The first component is that deep sorrow and regret for your brokenness and your sin. The things that you've done that are against God and against his way, that hurt people. Repentance needs to have that sorrow and that deep regret. But then the second component comes in because though there's grieving and sorrow in that moment, there's also great hope in the second component. And that is repentance is about turning, not just away from your sin or that thing or that activity or that habit. It's about turning towards, not just away from, but towards this external source of righteousness who is a person, who is Jesus, the Messiah, the one who came to save. And so repentance is two components, deep sorrow and regret for our brokenness and our sin, but then a turning not just away from, though it is in part away from our sin, but then towards Jesus, the Messiah. Repentance has always been and will always be the way in which we prepare the way of the Lord into our lives and into our communities of faith 
and into our societies, into our nations. Repentance will be and always has been the way we prepare the way of the Lord in our lives. So humility postures us to be able to come to terms with our brokenness in a way that leads us to repentance. And repentance in, in our deep sorrow and then our turning towards Jesus. Notice self-righteousness is something that we grasp from within. Notice that righteousness from a biblical worldview is something that is external and it's found in the person of Jesus. Self-righteousness never works. But the righteousness of Christ given to us as a free gift is the most beautiful experience and it's full of hope. Humility, repentance, repeat. Humility, repentance, repeat. Now, why, why do we talk about repeat? Earlier when I, when I uh, asked you if you're self-righteous, uh, I know some of you had this uh, theological kind of answer locked and loaded and ready to fire back. And though it is true that the work of Jesus in someone's life is a one-time moment, repentance before God and asking him to come into your life, and then he imputes, imputes righteousness, he gives us freely with full of grace and, and mercy, his righteousness. And in that moment, we are changed forever. We are made sons and daughters of God in that moment. And so though we are righteousness because of his righteousness, we also are changed in our attitude and the, the values and the priorities of the way in which we live. And so we switch from living for ourselves to this paradigm where we begin to live for the kingdom and for the king. And in that, that switch, our attitude changes in a way that we want to now pursue the ways of the kingdom and the ways of the king. But the reality is, and we all know this, we carry like dead weight that old way of thinking and those old attitudes and those old things that, that just kind of bubble to the surface from time to time. And none of us are perfect in the way in which we live out this righteous life. And so we need to repeat. And we, we walk in an attitude of humility. And the more mature you grow in Jesus, the more humble you become. It, it's very much the opposite of what you would think. You know, some would say, you know, the more mature you become, the more assured you become. Actually, when it comes to the kingdom and the understanding of the human heart and the understanding of the holiness of God, the more mature we become, the more humble we become. And if that is not the trajectory, then we have to ask ourselves the question, am I going back to those old ways and old attitudes of holding on to my own self-righteousness? Humility, repentance, repeat. Humility, repentance, repeat. This is the journey of faith that God has called us to. And one day we will be with him and he will make all things new. And that journey will in part end. But until that day, humility, repentance, repeat.
Let's just close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for what you did for us. Lord, we recognize that we had no way of holding on to our own righteousness. Even from that moment in the Garden of Eden, as, as Adam and Eve deferred blame and uh, deferred fault to others, and Lord, we, that, 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 that meager effort to try to hold on to our own self-righteousness, Lord, we, we continue that to this day. And Lord, today in this moment, we, we simply want to ask you, do you find any self-righteous ways in us? And if so, Lord, would you cause us to be humble in our attitude, that we would recognize it, and that, Lord, you would lead us in repentance, that you would lead us in the act of being deeply grievous of those moments of self-righteousness in our lives. We bring them to the cross and then we turn away from them and we look towards Jesus who is our external source for righteousness in this world. And Lord, we thank you that in that moment you forgive and you begin to shift our attitudes. And Lord, we will continue to repeat that process as long as it takes to continue this journey of looking more and more like you each day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're watching this and perhaps you're exploring faith with us, I just want to say um, the way of this world is so broken. And the attitudes of this world and, and the philosophies and, and the pursuits uh, in many ways are so meaningless. And that's because we're looking within ourselves, we're looking within humanity, we're looking within our own ideas for something that can only be found in an ex external source. And that external source is the creator of all things. Um, it's Jesus. And this book of John, as we go through the Gospel of John, he's making this point that Jesus is not just this man that came, but Jesus is indeed God and he was there at the beginning, the creation of the world. And, and he becomes our external source for making all things right again. And so if that's you and you're exploring faith in Jesus, I would just ask you, you know, read ahead, read into John ahead of us and continue this journey with us. And I believe that God's spirit, I'm not forcing anything here. Um, people don't come to faith in Jesus simply because they heard someone preach. Um, that's part of, that's only part of the process. There's a moment where the Holy Spirit of God actually reveals himself and reveals Jesus to you in a personal way. And I'm just believing for you that as you explore faith in Jesus, that moment's gonna come and it's gonna be special and it's gonna change you forever. And so continue this journey with us. We're so glad that you're here. Everybody, thank you for listening. I'm gonna turn it back to Pastor Marcus and Pastor Lisa. Well, thank you, Lucas, for that challenge that humility is the cure for self-righteousness because John had every reason to be self-righteous. Yeah. Like he's a pretty cool guy. He was. Um, and so I think if we're honest, we can all feel that tendency to fall into that mm -hmm. trap of wanting to boast in our own accomplishments. And so what a good reminder that um, we're pointing the way back to Jesus mm -hmm. always. Well, we do miss you. I know we say yeah. this over and over again, but we really do mean it. 
we know that this just is not the same. But we are missing being able to hear your stories in the lobby and pause to pray with you. And so if you're just finding yourself in need of some pastoral care, <laughs> there is an allowance in these new provincial health orders for one of our pastoral team to come over to your home with all the COVID protocols in place, we'll yep. still be masked, etc. Um, for a time of prayer or communion together. And so our government thankfully is just recognizing that spiritual care is necessary to holistic health yeah. and they've made allowance for that. Now we can't read your mind. I wish sure. we could, but we can't. So if you are just finding that you need a pastoral visit or you've heard of somebody um, that's just walking through a harder time, we don't always know. Yeah. So make sure that you're reaching out to us and we will set that up to be able to come and pray with you face-to-face, um, -face, which we're allowed to do now. Mm -hmm. and we're so thankful for that. Yeah, and then if what we're doing here is adding to your faith, and if you wanna to continue to support us and what we're doing here at Evangel, we would love to continue to partner with you. And so there are a couple ways you can do that financially. The first one is you can come see us right now. Yeah. We're here at the church until noon, and so you can do drive-by generosity, and stop at Starbucks and get your drive-through yes. on us and then come by for drive-through generosity. Do a double drive-through yep. today. Um, and then if you want to give online, you can do that. If you go to myevangel.church forward slash give, there's a way that you can do that as well. And then finally, we're here at the office Monday to Thursday from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. Well, yep. thanks guys so much for joining us on this stream and we'll hope to see you next week as well. See you, friends.